Welcome to Digging the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways of bringing these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the Online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center and Space to Meditate, and an MBSR teacher and trainer. Greetings, Doug. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well, but I know you've had an interesting few weeks. Uh, for yeah. those of you that follow your YouTube channel, they understand that uh, you had a bit of a fire. <laughs> yep, it was a bit of a fire. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a thing over the last few weeks getting everything, yeah, back together. Yeah, and uh, I know having visited your house numerous times that you put a lot of care and and into all the everything you put into that house and now it all has to be redone which is it all has to be redone yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah but in the scheme of things at least we're not at war here yes. and you know you're you you have a place to live and and uh yes. your equipment's being replaced and thank god for insurance but it does bring up you know our, our topic for today which is anicca and, and impermanence and how how we work with impermanence and uh, how it's one of the three characteristics which we'll spend the next few podcasts kind of looking into. Such uh, an important teaching, such yeah. a central teaching. Yeah. yeah. And a very helpful teaching uh, to me over these last last few weeks. This this understanding, as I, I, you know, I think back to Ajahn Chah, who famously <laughs> is said to have told his his uh, his students or whatever, his his listeners, he would hold up a, a, a cup, a mug, and say, this mug is broken. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything will be. <laughs> yeah. Um, everything will go away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So impermanence being one of the one of these three characteristics and um, dukkha and anatta being non-self being the other. Yeah. And uh, but I think, you know, it, it, Nietzsche is, is, well, of course, it's. It's one of the causes of dukkha, sure. <laughs> or, you know, and and it's uh, you know as uh, so many of the teachings uh, refer to anicca as you know when anicca is seen clearly, you know, liberation is is there or possible, mm -hmm. and um, and you know we're talking about different levels of anicca, of course, and if even if we talk about it in the context of dukkha, I was talking about this with a group the other day that. You know, there's that first level of dukkha, which is really what you experience, this dukkha dukkha, right? It's a very personal and direct loss of your house, um, you know, which is was impermanent to begin with, but you guys just didn't live in it with that in mind necessarily. Sure. Or maybe you will now. I mean, when when you're able to move back in, you know, it's like, how how do we take this direct experience of a Nietzsche, where, whether it's something like losing a house or losing a job or losing, you know, not getting into the school of your choice. You know, it's like all these things. Well, that's a little different, actually, because that's that's not a matter of impermanence. But, you know, all the ways that we experience impermanence in our life, but do we really see it clearly for what it is? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the question. Yeah. Um, and all the aspects of it, too. You know, sometimes, I mean, f I sort of think back to, uh, the way, you know, the way we all think about, at least the way I tend to teach impermanence or talk about it is impermanence of things, objects, 
things burn, uh, things rust, things fall apart. But there's also a sort of a more intangible sort of thing that we, that's impermanent as well. For example, you know, when I think back to, you know, okay, what are the sort of the hardest parts of the last few weeks for me is just losing a sort of a sense of home, a sense of place, you know, which is not a thing. It's not like an object, but it's, it's this sort of, you know, general feeling of, okay, I'm home now, you know? Yeah. Well said, you know, everything is where I expect it to be or where I want it to be or where it should be. You know, I'm in a rental place now, which is, uh, my wife and I are in a rental place now, which is look, Hey, it's, it's a nice place. I have nothing bad to say about it, except that it's not set up the way I would have set up a place. You know, uh, the, the sink in the bathroom is a little too small so that, you know, when I want to wash my face or shave, you get water all over the floor, you know, that kind of thing, little things, you know, right. but they're, but you know, they sort of, that's part of this uh, Duke. Well, it's, I'm talking about Duca now, but, but you get the point is that the, the, the change of your lifestyle that happens just with something very small like that can, can sort of, yeah, it, it, it well, we get into the, that, that will get into the second, the second topic, which is Duca, but you know, well, it's not unrelated. It's extremely related, and and yeah. um, it's you know we do an exercise. I've taught a lot of classes um, around living and around death, basically living living with um, full awareness and, of death. And and I learned this this practice exercise when I was doing hospice training, mm. and it's a really powerful exercise, which uh, I'll describe briefly, but. And it can be practiced in other ways, but in this case, you know, we hand out little little post-it notes and have people write, uh, create five columns of post-it notes, say of five posts, so five columns of five post-it notes, and then one column they write down all the their their bodily parts that they uh, care for that are most important to them, and then the next thing is like all the things they like to do or or you know, and then the other thing is people in their lives, and then the other thing are material things, right? And then the last thing are sort of personal traits, right? So they've got these five columns of five post-it notes, and then the facilitator, you know, will just say, okay, rip off the third one of column one and tear it up, mm-hmm. and then, you know, go to the next column, and then when I do it, I walk around and I just kind of go to the column of people and I just rip one off randomly. And it's like the experience of, of that impermanence, just, you know, the nature of seeing that person leave your life suddenly or, you know, all of these. And, and some of these things are intangible. The one column that's not touched, however, is the last column, you know, around traits and those things which we carry forward. You know, basically, our karmic actions uh, that that are, uh, to some degree, who we are, to the only degree, really, who we are. And that column remains the same. So that after everything else is gone, <laughs> those things remain. And, you know, relating to impermanence in that way, just recognizing, as, as you pointed out, Ajahn Chah, um, because he's also... Uh, famous for saying something like, uh, let go of a little, 
you're free a little, you know, let Mm -hmm. go of a lot, you're free of a lot, let go of everything, you're free, you know, and it's like, how do we let go? And, and of course, the other place to explore impermanence is in the, well, I mean, there are very specific practices around the aggregates, for instance, and, and, you know, just kind of seeing the arising and fading away of every, every one of our, you know, of, of sensations in the body or, the fading away and arising and fading away of pleasant and unpleasant because of course impermanence isn't always bad right sometimes it's like really good you know like the impermanent nature of illness can be a really good thing hey you know we're no longer like having to you know worry about COVID as much so it came and it was here for a long time and then it left and or it's at least or we've overcome it so it's a two-way street of course and can we hold it that way yeah, impermanence can be your friend sometimes. Well, or that's you, the th- and you can try to make it your friend a little exactly, bit. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's I really mean, our, that's really the practice is making it your friend. Yeah, I mean, to a, to an extent, uh, the, the way I was thinking of it is sort of you know, there's a, a kind of a, an American mindset which I you know, as an American, tend to just fall into, which is this idea that the future is always going to be better, and you know, all the you know, just it's it's. Right. You know, all, all, everything up and up and up. And so when we, when, when. How's we, that working out? Yeah, really. <laughs> but, but as, but let me put it this way that, uh, you know, when I, when you, when I have a setback like this, you know, my thought is, okay, I'm just going to make it better. You know, I'm going to make it better on the other side, right? I'm going to make the house better. I'm going to, you know, make my YouTube videos better. And now is the time for me to upgrade my equipment. And, you know, I mean, there's some value in that. I'm not going to say there isn't, but you know, at, at the same time, I think uh, I have to be careful not to hold that uh, too too strongly because you know, that's not. There's no guarantee that everything is going to be better on the other side, um, and that's part of the issue we have to deal with nowadays in a general sense. I mean, in the world, is that things you know things are kind of dicey right now in the world. Right. Of course. They always have been, but we're really seeing yes. it to an nth degree right now. And and yeah. and I will also say that you know it's relatively easy for us to talk about this right now from our yeah. our position of, of sure quite you know privilege. It's another thing when we when we take in the impermanence that you know people in the Ukraine are experience or experiencing, or people in Afghanistan, or people you know in. East Timor, wherever, I mean, that level of impermanence and dukkha is overwhelming. And and you can't necessarily think, oh, well, that's my friend. <laughs> you know, uh, you'd have to be really quite advanced in your practice to be able to just receive that as a way to freedom. Yeah. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. I mean, yes, it, we are practicing finding freedom from our own suffering uh, and having an internal freedom and internal happiness. At the same time, that's not to ignore the external. And, uh, yeah, you know, we can easily bypass. And, and yeah. And, the and the, the, um, the, the way I was talking about making Yanicha uh, or, or change a friend, uh, I, I mean, in a sense, I was being somewhat facetious because i mean that that way of making it a friend is really reinforcing the kind of clinging that we ordinarily 
right. fall into. Yeah. It's sort of like clinging to a better future, saying, oh, you know, change is, uh, seems bad, but, you know, we can make it our friend by clinging harder to the things that we really want right. and making them come true. Uh, and that's really quite opposite to the way the Buddha taught. And, exactly. You know, it's more that you make it your friend by learning not to cling at all and learning to, you know, to give all this stuff up, basically, at some level anyway, which is difficult to do from our position as, as you know, householders. Yeah. Uh, but that's the goal anyway. Yeah, but given, like, as you were saying, okay, so your house has to be completely redone. You've lived, you had lived there for four or five, I forget how many years you were there before this happened, but. Yeah, like eight years, something like that. Really? It's that long? Okay. Uh, I mean, since the work was all done. but Six six years. Yeah. And so, okay, oh, well, you know, we, we, I wish we had done it this way. Now we can do it that way. You know, it's like, and yet, you, so you can, nothing wrong with any of that, right? It's just how you hold it. Right? Yeah. It's sort of, you know, recognizing that, yeah, this too is impermanent and this too is not going to truly bring me happiness. I'll be more comfortable. Yeah. That's okay. But my happiness isn't going to come from that. Uh, my true happiness is not going to come from that. And and just, you know, really kind of recognizing that it's in the seeing of impermanence. It's in the, it's not just the seeing, it's the it's the uh the full embodiment, the full knowing of impermanence at its deepest level that the Buddha was really pointing to. And right. um and that's something we can deeply experience in formal meditation practice, of course. You know, as we as we are just really seeing clearly the arising and falling of the arising and fading away of phenomena on a continual basis, and then when you start looking at everything else in that way, right? So, what looks solid now, to my eyes, you know, in itself is is actually rising and fading away, and you know, one level or another, um, and and that's you know, uh, the kind of insight that the Buddha was teaching. And so when we're talking about insight meditation, the insight that we're talking about is the insight into impermanence, the seeing it clearly and then experiencing it directly in, in this body. In, in, yeah. in Most importantly, I'd say the, the impermanent nature of this body and this mind and, and um, or this mind that I de identify with as my mind, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, the impermanent nature of that is is where the teaching is pointing to and then how we take that into the world and how the you know and then see it in the world you know is quite clear but still is there anything to be done about it no <laughs> except 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 know. to release clinging yeah yeah. I mean, yeah which is hard which is yeah. you know it's yeah. it's something that we talk about it all the time mm -hmm. uh, but it's something that's you can't force it, you know, and that's the problem is that you want to, you sort of want to force it and, and make yourself stop clinging to these things. <laughs> but the best, I, I, I've, at least for me, the best way to have it happen is that it happens slowly as you have insight into the, not only the impermanent nature of all this material you're talking about, uh, both tangible and intangible, but also the, the way that clinging to those things creates pain and suffering. And then when you see that, then it makes, I think it makes you tend to 
release a little bit mm-hmm. to stop, you know, because once you see that and understand it, then you begin to realize the danger in clinging to this stuff. You know, I mean, if, I mean, I've had people say, you know, oh, it's so, you know, so sad that you lost this or that uh, material thing, ob- mm-hmm. object. Sure. And, and, you know, with very, very few exceptions, my feeling is, no, you know, I mean, I, a lot of the stuff in the house is stuff that, you know, at some level I'd sort of wanted to get rid of or knew would have to get rid of eventually someday. And so, you know, the the insurance company is doing it for me, you know, by taking right. all the stuff out that's in smoke damaged, you know. And that's a lot of it. I mean, there, you know, I, I'm not going to say that I'm perfect in this. There are a few little things here and there that are of sentimental value that I sort of either really care about or want to have restored or whatever, or I'm sorry that I lost. Um, mostly I would think once, once it all gets done, I'm not, you know, we're still in the process, but I, I imagine the, the hardest will be books for me, uh, sure. you know, cause they have my notes in them, some of them, and, and there may be some that we can save. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, so I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not crying over that quite yet, but eventually there'll be some that I'll probably you know, be really sorry that I've lost. But you Oh, know. I think that you should definitely save any book that was partially burnt. I mean, that could become a historic object. You know, True. think of all True. those famous books from the past that, have, <laughs> you know, you know, they're still, you can see them in museums and they were the, you know, victim of a fire. And so Doug Smith's notes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. They also, they, it's all this plastic smoke. It's awful, oh, you know, God. because there's so much stuff, you yeah. know, that it was in my, in my, um, I was in your studio, in my studio and yeah. there's a lot, you know, the computer was right. It was, you know, anyway. Yeah. So it's. What it just invariably in a modern house, much of the smoke is going to be sort of burned plastic. Yeah, um, of course. If it were all if it were all wood, it would be great. You know, everything would smell like wood smoke, and I would say, "Oh, it's just you know, keep it all." But <laughs> it just really doesn't smell good. Um, so I mean, you know, I'll save the ones that I can, but the ones that I can't, and particularly the ones that can be replaced, you know, I'll just uh, bow to them deeply and let them go and, <laughs> and move on. Good, good, yeah. good. The wonderful thing about practice is that at any given moment during the day, in any given moment, whether we're in you know formal practice or just living our lives, the moment we are experiencing some level of dukkha, of, su- of suffering, of discontent, or something is out of whack, you know, that moment we stop and actually look at that and then, you know, explore what the reason is. More than likely, it's because we're clinging to something that isn't what we want. But but it's more than likely that whatever it is, we're forgetting about impermanence. And so, you know, we're we're not, you know, we're whether it's a physical sensation that we are wanting, not wanting, or if it's something that we really want and we're worried about losing it, you know, we we just have to recognize it's going to change anyway. And so it's like, okay, so, I mean, and Nietzsche is about impermanence. It's really also just the nature of change. And so it's like, okay, this is just how life is and always has been and always will be. And if we're trying to control it, we're really going to create a level of suffering um, that is is not going to bring us anything but more suffering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are layers there, of course. I mean, one of the layers 
uh, I think of uh, also is how the Buddha talks about that. Um, and here we'll make a distinction again with the sort of lay people versus, you know, sort of the perfected uh, uh, monastics who studied, who practiced this uh, assiduously. But the Buddha talked about how lay people are expected to try to protect their their own their ownership over their possessions. You know, they're supposed to spend time, and he the Buddha expected them to spend time trying to protect. Uh, their possessions. And I mean, I think to myself about insurance in particular, which is this kind of, yeah, I mean, it's, is it, is it gonna, is there such a thing as insurance against Anicca? Of course not. Um, (laughs) But on the other hand, you know, just like we have fire extinguishers at home, which work sometimes and don't always put out the fire, but do a good job. So we have insurance that, you know, helps us as householders to keep things going when our house burns down or burns and gets smoke damage over everything. Right. But you know, yeah. So it's not going to, not going to save everything. We protect what we can even then knowing that it's impermanent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or we're either the thing is, or we are one of the others is going to, you know, be impermanent. Well, I mean, both are are impermanent. It's a question of which is, which fades away faster. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, um yeah and and so you know this is such a key part of of practice and you know i really recommend that as people are in formal practice in particular just you know starting with the impermanent nature of each breath or starting with the impermanent nature of each step i mean this is obvious right you know oh i'll never see that breath again true Mm -hmm. there's another one coming up but you know but but that's a place not always that's eventually, true. Thank you. Eventually yes. there won't be. <laughs> that's right. Know? And so that's the other part of, of impermanence is having gratitude for whatever it is, like the breath that's here now, right? Having gratitude for this healthy body at the moment, which as far as I know is healthy, you know, which is here now. Um, and so impermanence definitely fosters much more gratitude. You know, and uh, yes, mm-hmm. that's the flip side of it as well. Yeah, and so. and that's that's wonderful because I was just just thinking about the gratitude that I've had over the last three weeks over so many people, neighbors who took us in after the house fire. One neighborhood we stayed there at their at her house for two days. Another neighbor we stayed at their house for three days. <laughs> um, People have offered all kinds of things, clothing and so on. We had some, but, you know, it was nice. It was, right. even if it's just a gesture, it was very, very sweet. Yeah, beautiful. And people over on Patreon and my supporters have been donating money, and it's very, very sweet. Uh, uh, I, I can't thank them enough for yeah. being so thoughtful. Uh, I mean, we're covered by insurance, so, you know, I, I don't want to, you know pretend otherwise but it's the, the gestures it's are all gesture yeah yeah, are, yeah. Are wonderful yeah well speaking of impermanence i think this podcast is coming to a close for today and uh yeah when we come back next time we'll talk maybe a little bit more about the the characteristic of anatta um and dukkha and dukkha and, uh, and, yeah. and um yeah and in the meantime you know uh we appreciate your being with us and listening. And, and you can go to our uh, website, digginthedharma.com, uh, where you can give us feedback or comments. Yeah. Or, and you can also 
buy us a coffee, as they say. You can, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, buy me a coffee, buy Doug a coffee. You know, that's another way of contributing to, uh, we both like coffee, by the way. Um, yeah. it's not just, it's not just the app. <laughs> so, that's true. uh, yeah. So thanks for being with us and, uh, we'll look forward to the next time. Sounds great, John. All thanks. Right. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, consider leaving a review on your local podcast directory. It would help us out a lot. You can check John out at johnaaron.net and Doug at Doug Starma on YouTube and his Patreon page linked in the notes. You've been listening to Dig in the Dharma with Doug Smith and John Aaron. <laughs>